As one of the original proponents of what's called the slow food movement, Fred Plotkin has spent decades getting acquainted with the local specialties coming out of the kitchens throughout Italy. His book, Italy for the Gourmet Traveler, is, for me, the definitive guide to Italian cuisine. Fred clues us harried Americans into the ways Italians turn dinner into a life-affirming hour, or two, or three. Fred, thanks for joining us. Thank you. When I go to Italy time and time again, I'm just astounded by how the Italians know how to go out and make the whole evening kind of a, a beautifully organized experience and memory and event in itself, socially and culturally and with the wine and the food and everything. For you, what's the big picture structure of a good evening in good Italian style? Well, I think it's fair to say that Italy has its problems. They're well documented in the news going back at least 2,000 years. And therefore, the Italians have had to accommodate the constant turmoil in the politics and other things in their society by making moments pleasurable. And so starting with just the very idea that if you and I, Rick, meet in a bar in Milan for a cup of espresso, inevitably I will say, I'll do it, faccio io, and you'll say, no, 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 I'll do it. And then because I said it first, I will pay. But this moment of coffee is a moment of pause. It's a moment of socialization. And what the Italians are fantastic at are these moments and then these evenings and then these lifetimes of intimacy and socialization. And Italians do this over meals. When an Italian says to you, andiamo a cena, let's go eat, what it's saying is you and I merit time together. And at the meal, we will enjoy slowly the meal. We will enjoy each other's company. We will enjoy the beautiful women, the handsome men, the well-dressed people, the adorable children, the lovely old people. And the whole evening is about activating your senses to bring in all of that. And you come away from it thinking, that was time well spent. Mm. And oh, yes, <laughs> we had some of the best food on earth. And in a lot of cases, my favorite Italian restaurants, when I think about it, are personality-driven restaurants. A chef named Bobo in Florence or Claudio in Rome or Maurizio in Assisi. What is your take on the appropriateness of the proprietor to be there as part of the whole experience? Well, in Italy, whatever the profession of a person is, they inevitably take great pride in their work. This is something that we in other countries, including ours, I think, lose track of sometimes, that if you do something, it has to be the best that you can produce. It cannot be middle level. So if you're sewing a hem on a pair of trousers, it has to be the most perfect hem. If you are preparing a bowl of pasta, you're putting all of your love, your experience, your personality into it because the person who receives it is going to, in effect, say, this was prepared with love for me. So when the proprietor or the chef comes out of the kitchen, it's not to check, in effect, is everything okay, but are we happy? And happy may be about the food, it may be about the evening. It's also a means of thanking the person who was dining for his or her custom, for, for being a customer there. Therefore, that's fine. In our celebrity culture here in the United States, we have so-called star chefs. And they are on TV one day. They're in one of their restaurants in New York the next, the day after in Las Vegas, the day after in Hong Kong, the day after in Dubai. 
and it's as if they have to put in appearances to be recognized from television, but they're not hands-on in the kitchen. In Italy, there's almost no star chefiness. There's one guy, and I won't even mention him, Mm -hmm. and he's an embarrassment to most Italians. They don't Mm -hmm. look at him. The idea that you go back to a place because the person you love and respect is in the kitchen cooking for you is why you go to that restaurant. I'm Rick Steves. This is Travel with Rick Steves. We're talking with Fred Plotkin, and his book is Italy for the Gourmet Traveler. Our phone number is 877-333-7425. And Jeff is on the line in Brunswick, Georgia. Jeff, thanks for your call. I guess we were hoping to do our first trip to Italy next year. We like to splurge, and we want to know if it's possible to get a healthy five-course dinner anywhere. And what would you suggest? Well, if you're splurging, I don't know how healthy it needs to be which is to say that my cardiologist just did his first trip to Italy, and I planned it for him. And I said, I will only do this trip for you if you promise me that you'll have carbonara in Rome one night, which is eggs and ham and cream and all that. And he did, and he's fine. He survived, and he's much happier as a result of that. Do you have an idea when you're going? Early spring. Well, I would... Oh, good. Then I would send you to Friuli Venezia Giulia, which is the northeast because Friuli Venezia Giulia has all kinds of products that appear at that time of the year only. Lots of spring herbs, lots of wonderful vegetables, certain fishes that only come around then. The cuisine is very elegant, but without being snobby. In other words, just the natural understanding of what food can do and should do is at a very high level there, and they're great at pairing food and wine. And in Italy, There are two approaches. One is you could say, I have enough budget for one bottle of excellent wine, and I will have to select foods that pair with the wine. Or you can say, these are the dishes I would like, and I would like a different glass of wine with each dish because they all pair differently. What happens at the end of the meal is you're often offered something called a vino da meditazione. In other words, a meditation wine. It might be more concentrated in fragrance. It might have a stronger taste. It comes in a smaller portion, and you sip it, and you meditate. In Italy, they do not hurdle you out of a restaurant the way it happens in America to turn the table. If you're at the table, it's yours. And therefore, you can just meditate on the whole meal, on the experience, And then they might, if you wish, offer you a grappa, a stronger uh, distillate made from grapes. I tend not to have it. I will have my meditation wine and then conclude with an espresso. Jeff, have that meditation wine. I think that's a great idea. Have a good time, Jeff. Thanks for your call. Thank you. Jane's on the line in Sheboygan, Michigan. Jane, thanks for your call. Hi. I was just in Italy earlier this month, and while I was in Florence, I did an evening cooking lesson. I loved it. It was just the best food I'd ever had and was so surprised at how light milky could be. Now, I would like to go back to Italy and take another cooking lesson. My husband, I think, would rather skip it. What kind of criteria would I use in assessing a cooking school before I went there? I would encourage you first to think about the region you want to go to. I think a great place to go that is developing now and has many good cooking schools is Puglia. That's the heel of the Italian boot. specifically the town of Lecce, a beautiful town, and they have many cooking schools there and wonderful seafood, food of the land, and it's a wonderful spot to be. It's called the Florence of the South. 
Fred, for a, a busy tourist, if you just have an afternoon or an evening, are, are these like cooking experiences limited to a day, or is it actually enlisting in a school? Well, there are many different ways to do it. You can go for a three-hour class in one place, and often they'll take you to the market before you'll shop and then cook what you've purchased. Or uh, in Bologna and Rome and Torino and other places, there are week-long courses where people go every morning. They learn other things. They gather all the recipes. They learn how to shop. They learn how to cut food, which is Mm -hmm. so important, how to smell and identify when something is ripe Mm -hmm. and perfect. And then you tend to go out to a couple of restaurants in addition. So for the deeply gastronomic type who would go to Italy just for that, that would be the recommendation. But you can also go for one three-hour class. I've noticed that these are quite popular and quite practical for travelers, and there's a great demand for that. It's just the afternoon or the morning class. A lot of times they'll spend the afternoon shopping and cooking, and then they'll spend the evening eating it. It's not cheap. That's the problem. It's going to cost you quite a bit. Any thoughts on that? Well, there's another key question. Is it hands-on or do you watch? Mm -hmm. Because many places have teachers who stand there and cook in front of you and you watch the cooking. Hmm. To me, value for money comes if you get to cut food yourself and saute it and learn how to do it. Otherwise, you're watching a show. So if a school charges a certain amount but you know that it's hands-on, then I think it's worth it. All right. Thank you so much. I appreciate your time. Sure. Thank you, Jane. Bye. Fred, in your book you write that visiting cafes is a great way to discover the city. How so? Depending what cafe you've wandered into, you get a different slice of local society. If, for example, you're in Milan, in wealthy Milan in the banking district, you'll see people who are look like they're off the fashion runway, and they will stand, and you watch the body language of the bankers and how their shoulders are a bit stiff and how they sort of move around one another because they may be friendly, but they may also be business rivals. That's very different from being, say, in Bologna, where you see two lovely women walking arm in arm down the street and then looking at one another, pausing and say, let's have a coffee. And Mm. then they'll sit down and they'll continue their conversation And men and women will watch them. They will occasionally look at other people. In Italy, people watching is not only not rude, it's practically required because it is this interaction. It's not just about jealousy. It's about certain sexual subtext. It's about knowing, gee, that person looks good in that dark red. Mm -hmm. Maybe Hmm. that dark red is something I should wear. Italians are tuned into sensuality not just in the sexual concept, but in every way. And as tourists, we can get a little dose of that quality of life, that celebration for sensuality, when we approach cuisine in Italy as an entree to the culture itself. Fred Plotkin, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you, Rick. Rick Steves has spent a third of his adult life in Europe researching and writing guidebooks. Rick Steves' Italy is America's top-selling Italian guidebook. At Rick Steves Online Travel Store, you'll also find guides for Rome, Venice, Florence, and Tuscany, and Rick's Italian Phrasebook. To learn more about Rick's guidebooks for Italy and beyond, visit the Travel Store at ricksteves.com. 